Hello and welcome to The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we're looking at Season 1, Episode 8 of The Sopranos Show, titled The Legend of Tennessee Moltisanti. This episode aired February 28th, 1999, and was written by Frank Renzulli, who we saw at Pax Soprana, and it was also written by David Chase, and it was directed by a show veteran in Tim Van Patten. Here is the HBO synopsis of the episode. At the wedding of Larry Boy's daughter, the boys find out that they're going to be indicted and make a premature exit to get rid of incriminating evidence at home. Upset that he isn't getting the notoriety of other family members, an agitated Christopher has an ugly encounter with a bakery clerk. I would also add that Melfi deals with the moral dilemma of how she's treating Tony Soprano. That's right, yeah. She catches a lot of flack from her ex-husband, Richard. Her whole, her whole family. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a really good episode, and a really good episode for Christopher and Michael Imperioli to play. Right, yeah, yeah. He uh, gets to sort of um, struggle a lot with what is going to be a kind of a defining conflict of his character, mm. uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but this is... We could always see, or already yeah. see it. I mean, he's uh, yeah. already been showing signs that he desperately wants to right. be a major member of the crew, Yeah, and this episode kind of uh, heightens all that. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what I just realized, and I didn't even think about it until this moment, but of course, this is a very literal extension of something established in the pilot, mm. where he talks about, you know, that famous moment at the end of the pilot, where he's like, oh, I, I know a girl, she's like in development, yeah. and she said I could write my story, and then in this episode, we see him writing his story. Yes. I didn't even think about that until now. Yeah. They already set that up, so yeah. here it is. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. And... We do open up with uh, Christopher having his own dream sequence. Right. Yeah, nightmare, really. Yeah, pretty pretty disturbing it dream. Is. He's being haunted by email. Yeah, email. Is back. <laughs> the uh, Polak. Yeah, he's haunting <laughs> As him. he puts it, yeah. And um, yeah, he's just got this huge fear that somehow he screwed up. Right. And that's what, that's what email keeps telling him. Right. Is that you screwed up. Yeah. And I think that... In general, Christopher is grappling with the psychological disturbance of having murdered a person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was all fun and games, but, you know, I, I guess that the mind does rebel a little bit, let's hope. I mean, Chris is a sociopath, but he's not a seasoned sociopath yet. Mm -hmm. So his mind is reeling a little bit from uh, this action that he's taken. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit more about we can just kind of dive yeah. into Christopher really. I mean, yeah, his, his sure. whole thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, he's he's working on a script. Right. A mob script. Is it called Made Man? I I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I I like the scene of him writing and getting Adriana's perspective. There were a couple mm -hmm. of nice little beats in there. Mm -hmm. One is just their relationship. Yeah. We get to start seeing what that relationship looks like. Right. Um, in a more serious tone. Right. Um, so it's sweet. It's really sweet to see that kind of mm -hmm. starting to um, get more screen time. I agree with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like this episode marks the point where the storytellers and also um, Drea DeMatteo mm -hmm. really honed in on who Adriana is. 
Yeah. And so we see it really begin in this episode where they sort of settled on her personality and what her dynamic with Christopher is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of know what Christopher means when he says, I love movies. You know that. That smell in Blockbuster, that candy and carpet smell, I get high off. Yeah. Because I remember as a teenager, and I think we, I, I might have brought this up oh, right. in previous episode, that you know, I would go to Blockbuster yeah. and I would rent The Sopranos right. from Blockbuster. Yeah. And there was that like exciting feeling of like dropping off what you just watched, going in yeah. and getting like, the next episode's of oh, yeah. the, the series. Yeah. Um, so I kind of know what he means there. Yeah. But for Christopher, it's a very, Im- Im- I mean, this is like something that he values right. a lot. Right. And we, we see that throughout the show and, you know, he describes an arc mm-hmm. and he's looking for his own. Yeah. Throughout this whole uh, episode. That was meta. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A fictional character saying characters have arcs. What's my arc? Yeah. I was just like, well, mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring up in that uh, scene, uh, the script writing scene with Adriana, is that I appreciate Adriana's reference of Tennessee Williams. Yeah. And obviously that's uh, yeah. referenced in the title. Yeah. But uh, she says Tennessee Williams. Yeah, Tennessee Williams. <laughs> I mean, these two are priceless. Just yeah. between the two of them, every time we get a close up on, I guess it would be like Christopher's uh, final draft document or whatever software he's using to write his script. And they, <laughs> they have a lot of fun. The writers have a lot of fun at Chris's expense because uh, there's all these typos and like every line, all these kind of misspellings. Adriana makes fun of the misspellings. Manouge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's great. And then of course, you know, she's, she's not that much better. Tennessee Williams instead of Tennessee Williams. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, these two aren't going to be teaching an English class anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping a little bit backwards and, and I think we'll talk more, we'll obviously talk more about, uh, Christopher. Um, one of the other plot points of this episode is this whole indictment thing. The FBI is starting to really, that's right. Um, circle. Uh, around uh, the crew yeah and we get the scene at the wedding so larry boy's mm-hmm. daughter's wedding right at the beginning just oh yeah really good line right off from, the bat from livia yeah I mean, we saw this coming yeah <laughs> as she was like pulling up in line yeah. to, to greet larry uh, and you know he's giving her sweet talking mm-hmm. and she responds with this one here she never disappoints you, I tell you that. are you still seeing your other women lorenzo <clears throat> I am nobody's darling. That's what she says right before that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like the writers challenge themselves to be like, okay, literally every line that Livia has is going to be priceless, memorable, and hilarious. She and really is. Never fails. This whole this whole yeah. episode. The major point, I guess, of this scene, mm-hmm. um, you would agree, is the the boys kind of circling up and discussing what their options are. And kind mm-hmm. of looking to Junior for the answer, but also kind of hoping Tony gives the real answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just see what's been established fully in action. Junior is the boss in name, but Tony's the real boss. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. It's not polite to talk about. Junior knows it better than anyone at this point. I mean, his really petulant kind of reaction when he sort of gives his views. And then one of the guys is like, Tony, what do you think? You're asking him for. I just, I just gave it the answer. Yeah. He's like, 
he just loses all poise at all cool he's like sputtering it's like oh yeah. poor junior it was a cool shot too yeah kind of reminded me was it uh it's like a scorsese sort of oh, sure. like panning around a circle yeah of yeah guys, circling them right? yeah but right. it was just this was more like it was focused on tony mm-hmm. and it would pan to one side then it mm-hmm. would focus on junior it was really uh nicely shot I yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah. The fact that that shot wasn't static was was awesome, and it, and it gives this conversation a sense of uh, urgency, yeah. suspense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it leads to all the guys just picking up their wives mm-hmm. and, and heading home. Oh, right, yeah. To clean up. Yeah, yeah. Everyone um, leaves in a panic. Yeah. Pussy. Uh, such a gentleman. He takes back his gift yeah. <laughs> that he gave to Larry Boy's daughter. Takes yeah. back the envelope filled with cash because he needs that cash. Right. Because uh, he might have to lam it, you know. And we get the Sopranos cleaning up their house. Right. Taking out all yeah. this money yeah. and guns. Yeah. Uh, from uh, uh, Air Air Duck. It was small, but it was interesting because you could see that Carmela's well aware like she mm-hmm. she understands what defcon 4 is and mm-hmm. this for this family is defcon 4 yeah. it's like okay we gotta yeah. she's used to it she knows what the drill is this is right. what we gotta do right uh, but that that great bit of like he's like give me all yeah. your jewelry i'm not giving you my engagement ring this isn't stolen is it no what do you think i am Right, with a look on his face that says, "Yeah, it's totally stolen." Yeah, yeah I, I totally stole your engagement. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, Carmela's great here because, yeah, she knows the drill. She's also disappointed because I think when this sort of stuff happens, where she has to stand there as Tony is handing her weapons and and just stacks of cash, yeah, you know, it, it sort of bursts her bubble a little bit. You know, Carmela is able to delude herself into into kind of forgetting <clears throat> how Tony really makes his living, and then all this stuff is just sort of a stark reminder. That yeah. despite the classy surroundings, it's all paid for by crime. Right. And they, they're watching the TV, right? Yeah. Like every character is like honed in on this uh, TV interview about the indictments mm-hmm. that are coming down. And yeah, and you do, you know, you do see her just kind of stoically watching and hearing things like, well, you know, it could be murder charges. Yeah. There could be, you know, grand theft, a whole bunch of like, and she's just sitting there like mm-hmm. mm-hmm all right yep i believe it is during this newscast where you get a really key bit of information or you know just it's it's significant for these characters i think and, and well for us the audience the moment when the newscaster mentions that the new boss of the soprano crew after jackie's death is junior yeah because i just thought oh well there you go that's Tony's plan in action again. Yeah. You know, this is exactly what it was all about. Yeah. I think Silvio yeah. actually makes that point yeah, as yeah. well uh, later. And just in that, in that sequence as well, it, it propels Christopher to even mm-hmm. get uh, more agitated in yeah. his place because right. Brendan is somehow getting all this, you know, ranking yeah. and yeah, because he got whacked, acclimates for doing yeah. that, yeah, for dying, basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's gonna push Christopher through this episode even harder, right? Uh, than that. So we get a really good scene um, with Melfi's family. That's right. For yeah, the first time we're introduced to her ex husband, her son her Jason, son, her yeah. parents, and yeah. So first time we're kind of going outside of the therapy room mm-hmm. and seeing more of her life mm-hmm. which is fun mm-hmm. to see that i i like this scene i like this scene because it's kind of held in juxtaposition to 
the Soprano family dinner scene. Yes. Um, two dinner scenes discussing Italians. Right. Yeah. Italian Americans, their place in culture, their place in society. And I mean, I think that was what was eye opening for me is that uh, these Italians, you know, in, in the show, they really think of themselves as an ethnic group. Yeah. And the way that they're talking about uh, their plight and their issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the way that any ethnic group would, would discuss that, you know, or minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, we would sit here and be like, you're white people. But to them, <laughs> right. Right. you know, it's like, yes, they are, but it's like, we're something else too. And like, we're put upon and, and uh, we're, we're marginalized in society and that's yeah. a problem, you know, and it's important that people don't have stereotypes about us, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And it was really the show kind of holding up a mirror to itself. Yeah. I mean, these are characters taking a jab at right. what this show kind Absolutely. of represents. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Sopranos, the television show does not re- represent the 20 million that they're talking about. Right. You know, there's 20 million hardworking, decent Italian Americans. Yeah. And there's 9,000 or whatever handful of bad apples that are the only thing that's really portrayed in American life, or at least to them, that's how they feel about it. And it's interesting because knowing a little bit about Hollywood history, this debate goes all the way really to the beginning of, of kind of, modern mob film storytelling because there was a lot of controversy with the godfather Mm. in the early 70s there were a lot of groups who were upset that that film was being made and that these portrayals were being put on the big screen and so Mm. uh for example this led to the fact that you never hear the word mafia spoken in the godfather because that was like a a pro italian group saying that would be offensive to us. And so Paramount was like, all right, well, we won't put that word in the film. No, we'll just yeah. show Michael in front of a... <laughs> yeah. Getting, you know, a grand jury and right. Senate hearings. And... Well, that's in the second one. So then the oh, second so the one, second they didn't one, have to fine. obey any rules. Oh, and I think because that they of the actually... success of the first? Yeah, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. In the second one, they did whatever they wanted. Um, but oh. yeah, in the first one, they sort of had to to keep it more... Well, I mean, it's The Godfather. They had to keep it a little bit more subtextual. There's just certain things that they just couldn't do, which I think is kind of interesting. So, yeah, there's always been this push-pull, I guess, in the Italian-American community. I've had conversations with people who hate hate shows like The Sopranos, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, it's absurd i mean you yeah can, you know you could still like a show you can still like a movie right. but they take huge offense to how italians are represented sure it's just interesting yeah. you know uh, but it's great that a show like the sopranos can just say okay like we hear you right like we get it yeah and um We'll have the characters have the conversation that you're having and the level, the criticisms that you're leveling at us. Right. And this is our defense to those criticisms. Yeah. I think we're at the point in the episode where we get, because of the indictments, they're cleaning, cleaning up and exterminating Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff at the being as well. Christopher is asked to go to the bakery. Right. Yeah. So we get this bakery scene. Yeah. Um, I guess you probably, you probably noticed who is in this episode but who is not the character that they later end up playing exactly yeah which i always find interesting in shows where they're like you know i like that actor right we're gonna bring him back and we'll just forget about the fact he was somebody else yeah 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 Yeah. well it's funny because of course yeah you're talking about joseph um 
Dana Scully, mm-hmm. who uh, will come into the show later. We don't even really need to mention it for now. But yeah, he's this actor, um, Mr. Ganascoli, will reappear in The Sopranos. He will. At a later date. Um, until then, he's just Gino, the bakery customer. Oh, I didn't know he had a name. So you looked at like the credits. Uh, no, actually, he's he's well, he's listed on IMDb uh-huh. as just bakery customer. Okay. But the kid behind the counter. Oh, says, that's right. Yeah, the kid does. Yeah, hey, Gino. Yeah, yeah. He calls him Gino. Yeah, yeah. So he comes in, but it's really it's just really funny because Christopher is doing this mundane. Mm-hmm. boring stupid task yeah bringing shuyadel for the guys <clears throat> yeah getting shuyadel and that's actually one of the biggest thing i wanted to point out about yeah this scene is that i watched i watched the episodes with subtitles okay and whoever was working the subtitles this episode took took a back seat to figuring out how to spell italian words mm-hmm. correctly sometimes they would just say Italian words, like in parentheses. <laughs> yeah. But with Shfuyadel, mm-hmm. the way you spell Shfuyadel is S-F-O-G-L-I-A-T-E-L-L-E. Okay. The subtitle spelt it S-H-F-O-O-Y-A-D-E-L-L. Wow. Like just... That person did not care at all. <laughs> at all. I love that. The la- <laughs> the lazy closed caption. Yeah. Oh my god. He typer. Gets, I mean, whoever does it, they got <laughs> cannoli right. Yeah. Napoleon's right. Okay. Okay. But Shfuyadel. Yeah. Well, they didn't have Wikipedia one. back then, so I yeah. guess they couldn't really look it up that quickly. Yeah. I mean, I I can barely say it, so you know, I do have sympathy for that person who who typed it. Yeah. They probably had a lot of lines to get through that day probably um christopher has a really funny line in this scene mm-hmm. where he's being cut off by gino yeah. uh in line and he says oh so i could go out fuck your sister come back saturday i go to the front of the line i just i really like well that. it's that's an awesome <clears throat> that's an awesome line and i mean yeah it's it's notable that Christopher, he he arrives at the bakery in an agitated state you mm-hmm. know he's already insecure about the fact that you know, it's funny. It's dark comedy. You know, all of the other guys in the Soprano crew are like, fingers crossed, I don't get mentioned on TV. Right. You know, but for Christopher, it's the exact opposite. He desperately wants to be known as a big, bad mafioso, yeah. you know. And uh, the fact that he isn't means that he's not where he wants to be career-wise. He takes that, that he's not really respected. He's not taken seriously. And Christopher, like a lot of characters on the show, it's a major theme of the show in general. He's just insecure. And that insecure motivates him to uh, perform dark acts. As, As we'll see in this kind of funny bakery scene. Yeah. Although I have to say, I would have started acting like Christopher if I was in that bakery, which is like sparsely populated weirdly, and 800 people somehow seem to be getting their shvuyadel and like little buns and stuff before me. Like there's a whole sort of, they do this like dissolve thing, right? With the editing. Just, you know, uh, that that trope of just saying like, yeah, you know, it's, he's been here a long time. And I was like, wait, why is Christopher waiting such a long time? That, uh, you know, if that was me, I would feel pretty disrespected too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if I had a gun, I I might pull it out and start waving it around. Blast this kid's toe off. I mean, it just might happen. It just might. Yeah. 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 So he flexes his, uh, his muscles there Mm -hmm. and he just asks the guy, he looks like a pussy. 
Yeah. Like, well, don't treat me like a pussy. Right. And that's all Chris wants. Yeah. Treated like a pussy. Right. He leaves the bakery, just just like walks right out mm-hmm. after that. Multiple gunfires, like gunshots fired. Right. And heads to the Bing, throws down the box of pastries on the pool table, and you yeah. get this from out of nowhere. Yeah. Holly just flies in and oh. says, Hey, What's wrong with you? But he comes out of nowhere. Right. He's not even like in the shot. And then yeah. he just comes in, he grabs the box, and he leaves. He just backs out. It's so funny. <laughs> Polly's priorities. Uh, a funny thing, you know, it's cool that you mentioned that because it is a really funny moment. And I did make a note of this is also an episode in which it seems they decided that uh, Polly, Tony Sirico, mm-hmm. uh, would be a regular in the show. Because. Oh. Well, no, I'm I'm not saying that officially. It just, to me, it feels like, I mean, we'd seen him already, but he hadn't really, you know what I mean, had a presence. Yeah, I think only only probably when he was roughing up the Jewish guys. Yeah, exactly. We saw him. Exactly. But I feel like, that's right, he was was a a key part of that. Uh, but yeah, here we see his real personality, I yeah. guess. I mean, I guess we saw it before, again, with that episode, because, you know, he's upset with uh, the the italian themed coffee yeah, shop true. corporate chain yeah. these folks had nothing they ate pootsy before we gave them the gift of our cuisine but this this is the worst this expressive shit but i feel like we see a little bit more we get more exposition yeah. too into yeah. his character we get more insight that's right into we who, get a lot who he was mm-hmm. you know to this point yeah just jumping back to the scene in the bakery with Christopher and the the counter boy. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of our listeners will know this already, but there's just a really amazing Goodfellas Easter egg in there, which I think uh, Chase actually once referred to as like the the Koran wow. <laughs> for the Sopranos. Okay. And uh, Michael Imperioli is in Goodfellas, as we know, playing Spider. He gets shot in the foot by Joe Pesci's character, Tommy. Yeah. That's a really like iconic moment in that film, and we get the uh, reproduction of that. We here. do, yeah. yeah now I mean, it's time to for you know Mr. Imperioli to shoot someone in the foot. Yeah, and you know that's interesting. That now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, and you bringing that up, because when he walked away, and the guy says, "You shot me in the foot," Christopher's reaction is, "It happens." Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they put that uh that Easter egg nice and fat in the middle of that scene. Uh, I like for that. our enjoyment. I like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, back to cleaning up and, and getting rid of evidence for the indictment, we get a scene, really funny scene, with Carmela and Livia. So the yeah. idea here is that Carmela is going to take Livia out of her room, out of Green Grove to go get brunch. Tony's going to slip in, drop off all the the wares, and hide them in Livia's right. room. So all the stolen goods, cash, guns. Yeah. And Olivia is making it so difficult yeah. to get her out because she's really quick. She's smart. Yeah, she's no she dummy. She realizes, yeah, she's no dummy. Why would her daughter-in-law mm-hmm. come unannounced to take her out to brunch mm-hmm. if nothing was wrong? Yeah. Right? And it's just funny because Carmela is so indignant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Olivia has read the situation perfectly. She knows something's up. She knows something's off. And of course, you know, Carmela is sorry that she ever collaborated with Tony in this scheme yeah. because what does Livia do? You know, she starts 
making all these personal remarks about Carmela's family, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, is it? You know, she she implies that is Meadow anorexic. <laughs> yeah. Then she says, oh, did Tony cheat on you again? Yeah. Just all these things. Is that it are the like, indictment? His yeah. father could handle it, but I don't think right. he could. Just these like. <laughs> huge blows yeah uh to to carmela's self-esteem but i mean carmela throws it right back at her i try to do something nice i come here to take you out right away you think i have some other agenda that i have to talk to you about don't flatter yourself i'll uh i'll throw something on so olivia's (laughs) just she realizes okay maybe i'm just over right playing here right yeah yeah it was a good scene and then yeah tony smartly hides away all the mm-hmm. the wares yeah that's the last place that the feds are gonna look is it though or so tony believes i mean it seems like a good spot yeah for sure yeah because it's a place you have kind of control over mm-hmm. but the feds know that livia is in there right right but why would a guy hide all of his cash and guns yeah with his mother yeah does seem ridiculous and it is a reach yeah to go to an old lady's room you know at the rest home so right yeah he knows that they're not going to go that far so the next kind of significant thing that happens in this episode is a nice scene between christopher and polly yeah and christopher really he 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 pours out his heart you know in terms of what he's going through and what he's concerned about and how he just he he, he feels like he's lost in the world. You know, ironically, the fact that he's not getting mentioned on TV, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's having a crisis about it, you know, an existential crisis. And it's funny, you know, Polly shows up. He's like, AIDS out of town. Let's have a good time. Yeah. You know what I liked about it, too? What? Is, is that uh, Polly kind of becomes his unintentional mentor. Yeah. In, just for that moment. Yeah. In that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he gives them a lot of kind of good information right. that somebody I think in Christopher's state would want to hear yeah, or, or needs to hear. You know, life is just life. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, your arc is just whatever you make of it. Yeah. But, you know, we brought up before, like, Polly, up until this point, we hadn't got a lot of, you know, backstory or anything mm-hmm. like that. But we learned that Polly was in the army. He was in the can. Yeah. He's a seasoned wise guy. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's great because Polly is the perfect character to be in this scene with Chris because he is the exact opposite of Chris. Right. In terms of Chris is like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. What's my arc, my trajectory? You know, I don't want to stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Polly is like, I know exactly who I am. I know exactly where I am. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm exactly happy with this life that I live and it's perfectly great. I mean, yeah. they, they kind of put that in a real funny way when Christopher says, You ever feel like nothing good was ever going to happen to you? Yeah, and nothing did. So what? I'm alive. I'm surviving. Polly represents mob uh, complacency mm. and he just does the job and it's good enough for him. Yeah. And he expects nothing more. Yeah. Well, he has this um, random reference that he throws in mm-hmm. of another classic american writer of hemingway right and it comes out of the blue right. really christopher's yeah. trying to describe like how many pages he has to write out of nowhere paulie's just like that writer with the bullfights blew his own fucking head off 
I don't know how that's supposed to comfort Chris <laughs> in this moment. Yeah. But there you have it. That's Polly's right. insight. And I don't know if it quite works. It's funny, too. <laughs> the scene is uh, stylized. Again, this this feels like a very season one type scene mm. in that the way that it's shot and the way the music's going in the background, it's, yeah. it's purposefully sort of melodramatic where, yeah. you know, Chris is just like, I've got the blues, you know, and he, he got, and got the, like, the sad music in the background. Yeah. I liked it, though. Yeah. I really liked the scene, and I liked Michael Imperioli's performance. Right in it as well yeah what i didn't appreciate actually about this scene is how quickly it cuts off from this scene to big pussy describing what how the nightmares will go away once you get a couple more under your belt yeah like we see christopher in such a state i would have just appreciated a longer beat or pause there at the end but it kind of just cuts right into christopher's last line to big pussy kind of making a joke Right. Out of Christopher's feelings of arcs and stuff. Like you get yeah. a quick opposite reaction mm-hmm. um, than what he just got from Polly. Well, yeah. It sounds like you're sympathizing with Christopher in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I am. Yeah. But I'm also like, it's so abrupt. Right. That cutscene. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, that feels extremely intentional to me where hmm. it's just kind of like, it is meant to be a slap in the face. Uh, yeah, uh, big pussy sort of being like, ah, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just not a big deal, you know. And that's that's part of Christopher's plight in a way. Obviously, I think that you know the fact that that Chris has really limited avenues for like expressing his emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's just a big part of who these guys are. That's a big part of their problem because they're not robots. You know, they are going to have feelings. And what's the outlet for that? Yeah, there's violence. But like, what if you just want to talk? You know, that's not really available to you, which is part of the reason why, of course, Tony going to a therapist is such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. But then we get more just kind of these thrown in just absolutely ridiculous scenes, for example, mm-hmm. of Christopher digging up Emil's right. body where it was buried. <laughs> he's unraveling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, he's he is really unraveling. Mm-hmm. And later Tony kind of points out that this is cowboy cowboyitis yeah that people want to get caught yeah. and tony could tony can see it from a mile away and that's right that's absolutely true i mean shooting the bakery kid in the mm-hmm. foot all these ridiculous stunts mm-hmm. christopher whether he realizes it or not he wants to get caught because he wants to get that attention yeah he wants that notoriety yeah and he's just in a disturbed state of mind you know if we go back to the very first episode I mean, I'm sorry, the very first scene of this episode. Yeah. The the nightmare sequence, right? I mean, I think that the purpose of that, even though it has a lot of symbolism in it and everything like that, it's not really the nature of the symbolism that's important. I think it's just about communicating the fact that Christopher is disturbed right now. Yeah. He's off. Yeah. Something's really nagging at him and bothering him. Uh, it's funny, though, because the way that Georgie's employed in this episode, he's just so funny because he's, you know, he's such a clown. Like, he's unwittingly adding, just piling on to Christopher's insecurity. Like, <laughs> you know, in the bathroom scene, you know, when he's on the floor yeah. sweeping for bugs in the, like, dirty-ass men's room yeah. at the Bing. He's like, oh, what are you worried about, Christopher? Like, you weren't even mentioned on television. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. If there's a dirty job 
then uh, Georgie's the one to do it. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad for him in this episode. I mean, you yeah. always feel for you always feel for Georgie because he's uh, he's treated pretty harshly. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, he's he's on the bathroom floor. It's yeah. disgusting. Then you know he has to get into a gig that's twice as disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Digging just... up a dead <laughs> check man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just yeah. I wanted to talk about a scene with Melfi and her ex, like just to get back yeah. to the Melfi plot. But right. when they're on that uh, plot of land yeah. um, that they're thinking of selling and Richard kind of confirms what we were talking about earlier in that dinner scene right. of just the negativity, really the self-loathing. I mean, he calls uh, Jennifer Melfi out on it and says like, right. you think I hate being an Italian American, right. just come out and say it like, say say what you mean um there was a bit i mean in that dinner scene a bit of self-loathing mm-hmm. loathing mm-hmm. like they're kind of you know resent the fact they're associated with other italian who happen to be italian americans mm-hmm. he also makes a good point this is kind of the this is melfi's really her arc and what she's going to be mm-hmm. dealing with is how does she treat tony soprano can yeah. she treat tony soprano right. or does it just come down to good and evil Right. And he's evil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah, you're getting into a few really interesting things there. I mean, yeah, I think that that's part of the argument that the writers are making uh, in terms of this whole debate where it's like, if you're so concerned about the minority within your community that's doing bad things and how that like reflects on you, maybe that's more of a comment on your own self-esteem. Yeah. You know, maybe your self-esteem should be a little bit higher if, right. you know, your day can be ruined and your sense of self can be ruined by, you know, the few bad apples, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's key. Another thing about Richard, and I think that this is intentional, whenever we see Melfi with a guy so far, you know, in the show, he's always very much a not Tony kind of guy, Yeah. right? You know, a little bit more intellectual, a little bit not effeminate, but just, you know, not that alpha man's man that, Mm -hmm. you know, we all know Tony really is. And so I think that Melfi sort of likes having a little bit of that in her life in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, at a safe distance, but it's just so... Tony is just so counter to yeah. to the kind of like male figures that she's grown up with and been attracted to and dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so and so that's key. I also think it's pretty telling that in the kitchen scene or you know the dinner scene with Melfi's family earlier, mm-hmm. how does Tony even come up? I mean, she brings it up. Right. Right? You yeah. know, she she's uh it starts with the Genzo gravy comment from Jason and then, you know, the debate about how offensive that is. And then right. she says, oh, you one know, you wouldn't want to say, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to say Genzo gravy in front of one of my patients. And that starts the whole thing. But why, mom? Right. Yeah. Uh, you could have you played Jason. That's a pretty good oh, one. Oh, man. What yeah. a role. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's just funny. I, again, it goes back to that thing, which is sort of subtle with Melfi of, yeah, she is a little bit afraid of Tony. She would never mm-hmm. want to be with Tony, even if she's a little attracted to him, possibly. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, you know, at, at, at the end of it all, she she sort of does like a little bit what he's bringing to her Absolutely. World. Yeah. But I think, too, as a therapist, she is seeing this as, like, she was just handed the ultimate test Yeah. as a psychiatrist. Right. Can I rehabilitate a man who's involved yeah. in crime just by using the practice of psychology yeah, and that's therapy. That's a great point, yeah. 
I, I think for her, that's what drives her character mm-hmm. is just, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah. This guy is going to be straight. Li- I'm, I'm, she, even now, she probably mm-hmm. feels like she's really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that really what motivates her yeah. um, to it. So the assault that she's getting from her family members about right. it, I think is just, and then we see this later on, is just pushes her even more into, right. now I'm going to stick with it. I hear what they're saying, but I am going to, I'm going right. to stick with this. Yeah. At the end of the day, I am a doctor right. and it is my job to treat sick people. Right. Another really good scene is between Tony and Chris in the yeah. car. I love how it starts too. Well, I like how, and this is probably maybe what you mean about the right. start, but how it ends the previous scene with Melfi and Richard, he says, and you're just going to come down to good and evil mm-hmm. cut to a pan, slow pan around Tony yeah. looking really, I don't yeah. know, pensive. Yeah. And... Yeah. He's, he's pensive. He's, he's kind of, he's brooding. Yeah. Uh, but he's in a quiet mode, which makes it, I was, I was like surprisingly shocked when, because he's in such a state of, of like meditation he hops in the car. Christopher picks him up. He immediately viciously <laughs> smacks Chris in the head. And it right. was like such a surprise. Like, yeah. But I thought that was really cool. Uh, just getting lulled in that false sense of security. Yeah. And then when he erupts in that violence, it is really shocking. Yeah. Even though it's not very serious violence, but it's still just kind of. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't no, expecting no, no. that. You know? Yeah. He hits Chris. Yeah. He's threatening to hit him even more. Right. He, Chris needs to explain himself. Yeah. But Tony doesn't really give him a chance to. I mean, he's livid. And fucking Georgie comes into the club. He's got violent all over his shirt. I ask him, what the fuck? He said, you're digging up somebody you clipped three months ago. I was worried. Shut up. Yeah. People um, do that shit. They want to get caught. And oh, yeah, like we mentioned, he's analyzed Chris's state. He knows where he, he's, he's seen this before in other guys. Chris just wants to get caught. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get noticed. Yeah. And that's bad. Caught, maybe even punished a little bit or yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. For what he's done. Uh, yeah. And that that's a problem for Tony. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in this scene that are pretty cool uh, because, of course, it starts out with Christopher being vulnerable mm-hmm. and, again, being just really open about what he's going through. And Tony does relent because purely, I think, because of uh, the experience that he's had over the last few months with Melfi. Yeah. And so he sort of goes into therapist mode. He kind of becomes the Melfi. And, uh, yeah, he does a really good job yeah, yeah. for a guy who's had, you know, a couple sessions under his belt. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job of like, you know, picking up on key words, right. you know, Christopher feeling like he has cancer. Right. Tony's saying, does this word cancer pop into your mind a lot, a little bit? What? Right. Yeah. Cause Tony is like, oh, this sounds like depression. I know a little something about that. Yeah. And so he's actually able to connect with Christopher a little bit, but then things take a really interesting turn when I forget what it is, but what the exact statement is. Tony, Tony says like, just come up a lot or a little or what Mm -hmm. Christopher says, huh? And he says, well, I'm just thinking maybe you're a little depressed. Mm -hmm. And Christopher says, no, I ain't no mental midget. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's when he says it. And it really hits Tony. I mean, it's like a a smack in the face. Like he was trying so hard mm-hmm. to be a good little therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, well, that didn't work. Right. Because now Chris, I mean, whether he realizes it or not, he just called me a mental midget. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And of course, uh, Tony's very defensive there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, awesome writing because he's defensive. He's sort of in his own world. That colors everything that happens with him in the scene mm-hmm. um, following you know, the mental midget comment. But of course he can't show Chris that. And then Chris doesn't know that Tony's in therapy. He doesn't know that Tony's depressed. He doesn't or know any of that Prozac. stuff. Or taking Prozac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so, brought up as well. Yeah, so Chris doesn't even know that he hurt Tony's feelings at all. No, yeah. Uh, so they just sort of continue. And then things kind of, they become a little bit less serious from there because, you know, Tony is, is trying to cover and everything like that. Yeah, it does the motion of blowing your brains out with mm-hmm. the finger in the mouth, the gun in the mouth. Um, and they make a joke of it, and Tony tries right. to make, make light of it. Trying, and actually, yeah. it kind of puts a grin, like mm-hmm. the first smile on Christopher's face. Yeah. Just has the opposite effect on Tony, because yeah. he's just like, ah, shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's kind of... I mean, it's funny. It's like, it's it's bittersweet, you know, because, oh, here's a moment where these two guys could have connected and, and like, had a really real conversation. Yeah. But, no, you know, it just you, sort of fizzles out. You can't do it. Because they can't, like, really... Tony can't really reveal himself. Yeah. And it's also shot in, like, a, a great, like, twilight hour. Right, yeah, I, mean, I noticed It's a great that, shot. Yeah. 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 During that, during that drive. I mean, we, we get a lot of great... Uh, christopher tony and the car scenes in this show because you know christopher is is tony's driver you know it's it's just you get that one-on-one time Mm -hmm. well this kind of leads into the sort of the climax of the fbi indictments Mm -hmm. they come knocking on the door Mm -hmm. in the backyard and it's agent harris and agent grasso right which pisses tony off I tried to look up with that Italian because obviously the sub subtitle guy did not even attempt mm-hmm. to try to even give us what what Tony said mm-hmm. in Italian. But he says like "ti faccio culo cusi," mm-hmm. and it sounds like he said it in in a question. It's I I think it's like I'll kick your ass. Yeah, culo is ass. Right, and it, I think it is something like. You're going to get your ass kicked or I'm going to kick your ass because Grasso right. responds with your ass. Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> so it has to be some sort of question about somebody's ass. Yeah. There is an ass comment made. Yeah. yeah but I, I, I really like that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I think it was cool for them to put in that Italian agent because it just speaks to the major theme of this episode. You know, the whole Italian American conundrum. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they represent different sides of that. And, you know, we see that in Melfi's storyline. We see that in Tony's storyline in this yeah. episode. Yeah. This actually, this scene with the FBI agents leads mm-hmm. straight into the dinner scene. That's right. Yeah. And so, we, yeah, we do get the other side of the Italian yeah. coin here yeah. in this episode. And we get the exact opposite. I mean, we get the pride of being Italian. Right. We get the mob family who's yeah. proud of all Italians. Yeah. Even the ones who haven't got the, even more so for the mm-hmm. ones who haven't got the recognition they should have for inventing the <laughs> like telephone, <Mayuchi. laughs> all these things. Yeah. And it's just the opposite of what the like clean cut Italian family feels. Yeah. And what the mob family feels. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd say that, it, you know, uh, Tony's a little bit more, Tony and his, his people, they're a little bit more quote unquote ethnic Italian. And then we get the, the more mainstream. Yeah. Uh, Cosby-fied <laughs> <laughs> Italian that uh, Melfi represents. Yeah, but we get no hatred. We get no right. self-loathing. Yeah. They're proud of 
all the Italians. Sure, yeah. Except for that one moment where Meadow does bring up who started the five families. Right. Which felt just like <laughs> really such, great. What? Yeah. Where's where? What's the stick up her ass? Like, yeah. I, I feel like she maybe is holding a grudge, mm-hmm. uh, and on some level mm-hmm. against Tony because now she's kind of realizing more and more. And we ca- caught that little shot of her yeah. on the staircase as uh, Tony and Carmela are cleaning up yeah. the guns and everything. So maybe she has a bit of resentment at this moment for her dad. Like her dad yeah. isn't like actually as sweet or wasn't as forthcoming in the college uh, car ride. Um, but geez, like what, yeah, she... <laughs> a, what a barb to like throw at him. It's really great. Yeah. She's just being a jerk here. <laughs> she's just like, I'm going to push your buttons and be an asshole because I feel like it. And it's funny to me. Yeah. And I like the, the answers between, between all of them. When he says, you got something you want to tell me? She mm-hmm. says, I just like history like you, dad. And AJ says, can you just shut the fuck up about it? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like maybe that is AJ's feeling uh-huh. about it. Like it makes AJ actually kind of uncomfortable. Sure. To know that maybe his dad is yeah. part of the mob. Yeah. Like, so we get the, the kids like reactions, very different reactions to that whole thing. <laughs> right. And it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just funny when... <laughs> <laughs> when Meadow says to AJ, you know, how could there be uh, two antichrists? There was only one Christ. <laughs> yeah. Says whatever. Yeah. AJ does not care. Just great. It's really good. Yeah. And of course, Francis Albert. Yes. I had to look that up. I'm ashamed to say. Oh, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. If you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Whoever's listening right now, you have to look it up. We're yeah. not going to give it away. And shame on you. Francis Albert. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, therapy Yeah, is where where we return to. Yeah, we return to therapy because Tony had told Melfi previously, I might be on a vacation. Mm-hmm. So if I don't show up, I'm on vacation. Yeah. And this was Tony Q of like, I won't be coming in that day and I can't tell you what day it is, but I won't be coming in that day. Mm-hmm. And this is right after Melfi is basically being you know, hit from her family about drop Tony, drop this guy, patient X, drop him, drop him, drop him. And she's like, well, okay, maybe he is just evil. Right. So she's kind of agitated as well about Tony. And they have this great back and forth. Like, well, what if I got hit by a car? But you didn't. What if I did? It really pisses Tony off. Yeah. I mean, like she's being really annoying by not answering his question. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel for Tony. Like sure. I'm on Tony's side. Oh, you are on this. You're on I Tony's side. She, okay. she, how rude of her mm-hmm. to just ask for the payment mm-hmm. of the the session missed because she doesn't. It it really it, for me. I agree with Tony. She it it feels like she's a call girl. He's been pouring his heart out to a call girl. Yeah, and he doesn't care, or she doesn't care. Yeah, about what he's going through, That's, and she knows yeah. what he's going through, and she doesn't yeah. care, and she's supposed to care. That's interesting. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I guess I sort of take the opposite position where in that scene, I'm a little bit on Melfi's side. What? Because... Team Melfi? I, I, I think I'm on Team Melfi here. Wow. Just because, you know, she's running a business and... Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, but... She is. Yeah, but yeah. he told her, I might not be coming in because I'll be on vacation. So like, let's right. say normally... Yeah. I'd be like, okay, on on the 14th, I'm going to be on vacation. I won't be coming into that session. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't charge him, correct? Okay, well, hold on. Because I thought that the whole 
premise of this thing mm-hmm. was that he was a no-show. It's not like he said in advance, oh, this date I won't be here. No, no, no. He didn't. He didn't right. do that. He no- so he no-showed. He no-showed. But... You got to charge for a no-show. No, no, no. He char- Okay. He no-showed with the, you know, the premise that he'd be on vacation. Mm-hmm. So he was, yes, saying it was going to be a no-show because he didn't know when, but... He was letting her know there may be a day I won't show up because I'll be on vacation. Yeah. And so he wanted it to be treated as just a a canceling of the appointment. I will say this. Melfi should have made it clear during that conversation that if he did not explicitly give her warning that he was going to miss the appointment and when he was going to miss it, she should have said to him, well, you will be charged in that case. You know, she I, should have done that. Yeah. I will say that. I just but, realized how deep we're getting into the like, debate yeah. between these fictional characters. But no, but no I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, but that's what sets him off. Yeah. And he's, he has that, you know, moment of throwing all the money at her. I think, yeah. I, yeah. He makes it rain on her. <laughs> he uh, it's, it's just funny. Yeah. Because I think it's just that technical thing of she wants to keep it very, strict i i think mm-hmm. that the subtext too is you know they're both very clear on who tony is yes and she's like you can't you can get away with doing your like gangster stuff everywhere except in this room you know what i felt like too and i actually just thought of this i feel like she intentionally tried to get under his skin yeah she intentionally right. tried to set yeah. him off so that she could see what richard's been talking about what if i got hit by a car but you weren't. I know, but what if? But you weren't. I, I know that, but, but what if? You weren't. Why don't you answer my fucking question? Because then they get into, she gets into her own therapy session. Right. The family therapy session, which we could talk about. And she says, yeah, she was revolted by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, Melfi, there's just so much going on with her that is unsaid and that's kind of what's cool about her character because you know just on the surface she's not necessarily one of the most interesting characters on the show you know we only ever see her really in one set mm-hmm. we only ever see her like sitting down you know yeah. anytime we see melfi standing up it's like melfi standing <laughs> yeah. what uh lorraine brocco like is <laughs> i could stand on her own two feet literally uh we, we never see that so you know it's a lot of my, my point is that when it comes to Melfi, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what makes her character worth l- looking at is just what's what's unsaid yeah. that's going on inside of her. And so I think all of that stuff that you're talking about is like pretty valid where it's like, yeah, maybe she was very intentionally trying to kind of push his buttons a little bit mm-hmm. and, and just see what happened. You know, she got her answer. Maybe. Yeah, because Tony does explode. And I also was actually I was surprised by how um, emotional Tony got. Hmm. actually well he's under a lot of pressure yeah i also think part of the reason why i was surprised by it is because i made a note of this this feels like the first episode of the sopranos period where tony is not actually really the center of the episode not really yeah that's true you know it really is christopher who sort of takes point on this one that's a good point probably one of the most important scenes of this whole episode is Junior visiting Livia at Greengrove. First off, the comedian. All right. I had to just give a shout out to the comedian because he's kind of like one of those random funny characters. You just 
you get unannounced and pops up. Yeah. And he's one of them. Yeah. Because I think he actually does come up later. He does. In another episode. And the worst jokes ever. The worst that it makes it actually funnier. Right. And because he's talking to a bunch of senior citizens. He's bad. The crowd is bad. <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> he's bombing like no one's ever bombed in history. Yeah. It is literally painful. I, I felt physical pain <laughs> <laughs> witnessing this character interact with these uh with these old timers. Yeah. It is, it's just horrible jokes. Uh that was really great. We get um Important information right. in this scene. Yeah. First off, Junior says, we may have a rat. He doesn't say rat, but mm-hmm. he feels like somebody within the organization is mm-hmm. slipping up mm-hmm. and might be talking. Um, that's the first bit. So he's got Agita. Yeah. He's upset. Big time. With that. I also think that Junior in this scene it's finally starting you know he's he may be a little slow at times but he's definitely not stupid and mm-hmm. i think it's dawning on him what happened like it, he's just beginning to to sort of dimly become aware of the fact like oh wait did i sort of get played yeah right <laughs> wait a minute yeah now i'm front and center as the boss i take the heat People are still, it seems, deferring to Tony more than they defer to me. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's just starting. He doesn't quite get it yet, but no. he's starting to get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And Livia spills the beans about the psychiatrist almost unintentionally. Yeah, sure. She didn't... There, there was maybe, you know, you could say unconsciously, mm-hmm. she wasn't aware that she was going to bring up this, mm-hmm. but that she really meant to. But she just kind of accidentally brings it up. We yeah. get a really good scene. Because we get this moment where it's almost a mirror of how Livia found out from AJ. Yeah. That Junior's having the same reaction. A psychiatrist? You're a broken record. You were the broken record. <laughs> you were the one who couldn't believe it the first time. Yeah. And Junior's having the same difficulty of believing that Tony's going to a psychiatrist. And then maybe even Tony might be that rat. If Tony's talking to a psychiatrist, Uh, it is quite possible that Tony is the one spilling the beans. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't think about it that way, that that Junior could literally be thinking about it that way. But it makes sense. It looks like he might be processing it. Yeah, yeah, because his reaction is, you know, it it does justify Tony's paranoia about anyone in the family finding out about um, him seeing Melfi. Because Junior's reaction is extremely grave. You know, it's yeah. really like this is a blow to him. It's like sort of blowing his mind in a yeah. bad way. He's like, he, what he do we do to, about this? Yeah, he wants to know who the psychiatrist yeah. is. Yeah, he seems like terrified in a weird way yeah. of all of this. And uh, it's it's a very heavy moment for Junior that's, that's going to alter his relationship with Tony forever. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we kind of get the button on the Melfi storyline. She's in family therapy now with um, a therapist who's advising her to drop Tony yeah. as a client. But, uh, but Melfi, even after Tony got in her face and threw cash at her and called her a whore, mm-hmm. uh, Melfi has decided she's going to stay the course. Well, I think she realized in that moment with her, with her son and ex-husband that, no... You know what? Like, 
I, I think there's more to this. Mm-hmm. There's more to our profession mm-hmm. than just passing off difficult clients and patients to yeah. you know, somebody else. Yeah. And uh, she's not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. She's saying, I mean, maybe she's rationalizing it a little bit, but she's saying like, no, I mean, you know, when did we, she says, you know, when did we get so afraid to get our hands dirty? Mm-hmm. And yeah, just because this guy is a rough customer, literally, you mm-hmm. know, it, it doesn't mean that I'm just going to abandon him. Right. And then we get uh, our button on the Christopher storyline. Yeah. Well, in this episode, he kind of he kind of does make his arc. Right. Yeah, his mark on his arc. I like that. Thanks. This is Dr. He... Seussian <laughs> rhyming scheme. <laughs> but he does, you know. He really yeah. starts at a very low level. Mm-hmm. And then he's just, his mom calls, he's mentioned in the paper. Mm-hmm. And he's listed under a name of associates. Well, it's just funny. Yeah. I mean, he's so he got what he wanted. I mean, it's just so that to me is the genius of uh, the Sopranos. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's such an unsentimental conclusion. Oh, yeah. You know, Christopher is sad because he's not famous enough. Right. Then he gets an indication that he is famous enough. And so he's happy. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And it's such a simple... Uh recognition as well he's not even in a major newspaper Mm -hmm. not even on the front page doesn't matter the article his name is mentioned is in the middle of the paper he's like it's just his name seven paragraphs in right below the fold you know it's it's so trivial and insignificant yeah and yet you know he leaps out of bed (laughs) he's he's got you know a new lease on life that, that he had lost you know his purpose is back and he uh, steals all the newspapers yeah. in, in true uh, <laughs> wise guy fashion. Yeah. And then, then rides off into the sunset, the legend of uh, Tennessee Moltisanti. There you go. Well, that does it for this episode of The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And if you like the show and you want to support it, there are many ways to do that. You can subscribe on iTunes. And now you can subscribe basically anywhere podcasts are found. We're on wow. St- yeah, we're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play Music. We're all over the place. Um, so you can uh, get your hands on The Sopranos Show wherever you are. Uh, leave reviews, uh, leave comments. Uh, we'd love to hear from you too and hope you're enjoying watching the show with us. We know how painstaking it can be because we're in an age of, you know, just sitting on the couch and cramming in, you know, a bunch of episodes in one day. And yeah. We're doing it weekly and that's tough. So if you're sticking with us week by week, we really appreciate that. We do appreciate it Because it's much. tough for us as well. Yeah. I like want to watch the next episode right now. Yeah. But until next week. Until next week. Oh, did you have a favorite line? I do have a favorite right. line. Yeah. And it is it is Georgie and Christopher. Right. And <laughs> it's when they uncover email. He's like, is that him? Now that would be some fucking coincidence if it wasn't, wouldn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's somebody else's body. Right. In there. Yeah. The exact spot that they're digging. That I, was I, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Great sarcastic moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine comes from the first scene mm-hmm. uh, when the guys are huddled up talking about how they're going to prep for the indictments at the wedding. Yeah. Real simple little moment where, you know, Tony steps in asserting that he is boss at the end of the day. And, but he does it diplomatically. I agree with my uncle. He calls the shots, we're doing it. But maybe, you know, for today. Well, right now, you were thinking, Uncle Jewel, that everybody should do a little spring cleaning. 
That was my next comment. That was my next comment. Uh, I just, I feel bad for him. Yeah. It's not going to be easy for Junior. Not at all. Because he's an old man. Yeah. A poor old he's guy. He's just trying to keep up. Yeah.